1: On Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning.
2: I remember him <clears throat> throwing a overhand loop and left, and he caught me right on the button. I think it was the first order, second round, and you know I was just like, "This is it." I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, it's gonna be a long night for you know.
0: So I don't know if my buddy, hey, we're, we're about to get to Sam McEwen, don't worry, everybody out there. I don't know if my buddy was drinking too much zip line over the weekend. Might have been. Uh, maybe at an Acres Ale on the golf course, maybe two, maybe three. I mean, they go down easy. They do. Brewed with Nebraska corn. Um, but he texted me and said, yo, I golfed the round of my life yesterday. We got to go this week and see if it was a fluke. Uh, it was a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, and and you had said it perfectly during the break. You don't ever say, "See if it was a fluke." If it wasn't a fluke, well, it's
2: okay. <laughs> by definition, the round of your life. And you know he's
0: listening right now, so you can uh, go ahead and. Yeah, into this him is. Now. I don't know this person. I don't
2: know what kind of golfer they are. But by nef- by definition, the round of your life is a fluke. That's mm-hmm. why it
0: stands out as the round of your life. Oh, okay. So he, now he goes chill. Maybe I figured out. He put tie hole. Th- golf thing. I don't know. Uh, maybe the whole golf thing? Um, <laughs> it was an 82 through 16. He put in asterisk. He said it hailed on hole 17 and we had to stop. So he didn't even finish.
2: So it wasn't even a full round of his life.
0: <laughs> right. The fluke wasn't even full. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying. Right. Like even
2: Tiger Ro- Woods has a fluky round of his life somewhere in there where he probably shot like a 55 or something somewhere. <laughs> oh, and, and nine holes or... <laughs> I'm just saying. At some point, Tiger Woods had the best round of his life, and it was also a fluke for Tiger Woods.
0: Yeah, that is true. That is true. Congrats. Like maybe
2: you did figure something out. Like congratulations. Yeah, but
0: congratulations, RG. We will go golfing. But
2: then it wasn't the round of your life. We will that prove was just to be a fluke. The next round,
0: my best round when I shot a a thirty. I think it was a thirty-seven on a par. Not oh, it was nine holes. A thirty-seven yeah. on nine holes. Best round of my life. Yeah, it was a short round, but yeah. best round. Yeah, I went back to that golf course, yeah, didn't. didn't shoot a 37. Yeah, That just doesn't happen right. for guys like us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's not what we're about.
0: <laughs> no, no. We're about having a good time, right, and getting frustrated. We went golfing in Gatlinburg. Yeah. Um, And that course was really, really stinking nice. Um, But I was like, is it $75 nice? Because that's what I paid mm. to golf on the course. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe. But I also think they just... You know, yeah. charged us it's a little tour, bit more it's because the it's the tourist rate. It, yeah. yeah, it's, it's the Tourie Day. And um, the Tourie. The Tourie price. Tour E? Yeah. Tour E. <laughs> um, yeah. That, um, uh, that did it, it have good a course. good name? What was it called? <laughs> yeah, you want to hear it? Yeah. Gatlinburg Golf Course. Wildly creative. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> I think. I never would have thought of that. I, I don't think uh, anybody came close to guessing that. I never would have thought of that. What was the uh, what was the best hole? The best hole was, uh, it's either twelve or thirteen. It was a big um, like overlook hole. Mm-hmm. So you teed off way up like on up top high? of the mountain. That's cool. And it was like a three hundred foot drop to yeah. the bottom. Yeah. And so you, you're. You're 160 away, but I believe it said you're playing 125.
2: I was like, yeah, because of how dramatic mm-hmm. the drop is. Yeah. Right.
0: So uh, Those are kind
2: of tricky, actually. Yeah, it, it was a fun. Because it messes with your kind of eye lines. Yeah, it like was a fun
0: a fun course. But, I mean, that hole was insane, Shane, because where you teed off from, it was so open because you were so high up that all you saw was like the view from the back patio that I showed yeah. you earlier. Yeah, yeah. Where where um where the house was at the top of the mountain. It, you just saw mountains for days. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't find a better hole. And that's the reason my brother chose that course too. Was well, because of that. Because particular, of the one hole. Yeah. That's um, super cool. And Sounds I did awesome. Not, and I did not hit the green if you guys were wondering. <laughs> um, I just assumed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) That I hit the green, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll go in like three. (laughs) We'll go with that. Let's welcome in uh, Sam McEwen now. Sam McEwen, sports editor at the Omaha World Herald, at O W H on Twitter, or now the new black and white X, as we were just talking about during the break. Sam, good morning.
1: Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm happy. Training camp, rain again, more rain. Probably more rain this
0: week, a lot of rain. <laughs> hey, from a dad perspective, yeah, that is a great thing. When you can get some rain, you know, uh, water the grass. I know our good friend yeah. Mike Sauter is a huge fan <laughs> of the rain because he just likes to mow his grass seven times a day. Um, but aside from that, I just got back from vacation, Sam, catching up on a few things, uh, Big Ten Media Days being one. Seems like the word to go around last week uh, was elite. I heard that from Coach Fleck. I heard Coach Rule say that at one point. I'm sure that I heard Coach Fickle um, at one point say it too, but where do you think Nebraska in particular has been the most elite this offseason in terms of development and becoming ready-made for the college football season?
1: I think probably the, the thing that they've probably improved the most is just
0: their cultural setting, like they, I think they all
1: are on the same page. Uh, whether or not they all agree um, with everything within the program, you know, players said it. I think they're all on the same page. And, and, and honestly, what happens on Friday um, with the tight end coach resignation is in line with that. That was good news, but it was reflective of um, sort of a universal standard among players and coaches. So, um, I think they're on the same page. I, I don't really know much about, you know, what they did in the weight room or, or, or how they, how they worked in seven on seven drills. So I couldn't speak much to that. Um, but I can tell you that I think that, you know, there's, there's real clarity in the program. And and I think that's better than probably where they were for almost all of the frost era. Like I, I think, and I kind of wrote about that today that, you know, I don't know. Scott, Scott just didn't get his arms around it uh, very well. And, and I think Rule has gotten his arms around it quite well. Uh, and and I think that'll pay
2: dividends as time goes on. Sam, I want to stick on the wager uh, wager thing here for a minute. Um, it, it felt a little bit like it, was, it flew under the radar. It just happened kind of really quickly. Um, I guess as far as you're kind of reporting on it, when did you start hearing there was something going on there versus – when it actually went down, as far as his resignation, because I think between the citation for suspicion of DUI and his resignation, we're only talking about a couple of days, right?
1: Yeah, I didn't hear anything. Uh, yeah, transparency and reporting—I heard nothing. Uh, that's not surprising. I wasn't—I mean, I wasn't in—I wasn't in Lincoln mm-hmm. on Wednesday or Thursday, so yeah, I, you know, I—I—I I, I hadn't heard anything, so. When I saw it, it came, as a, it came as a surprise to me. Now, that said, it didn't come as a surprise that he resigned for that. Because that, that seems in line to me with, with what Rule has quickly established there, that that, that would have made sense. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, but I, I didn't hear anything uh, about it uh, prior to.
0: Sam, how much of a setback do you envision there being? at the tight end position uh, with the news coming out uh, about the resignation uh, and with Wager. Do you think it's a minor bump in the road for this team, or do you believe it could carry over significant impact to the position group in the early parts of the season?
1: Minor bump in the road. Um, I think I think uh, he had not been on the job long enough to establish hmm. a long-term relationship with anybody but uh, Ishmael Smith-Flores who played for him at Arlington Martin. So, you know, obviously it's probably a tough deal for him. But for everybody else, I think it's a minor bump in the road. Uh, I'm sure that the transition from Beckton to Wager was much larger than the transition from Wager to this uh, Josh Martin, who is very experienced. So I think he'll be able to walk into that room and he'll be able to say, like, look, look, guys, we're all going to miss Coach Wager, but here's my resume. And everybody will look at each other and say, yeah, this guy probably is fine. Uh, so I think they will be fine. I think they'll – I think they're in great shape um, at, that, at that particular spot. It's worth remembering that the reason it opened up, the reason it was a tight end coaching job, is because Jake Keats backed out of coaching the quarterback, mm. which means Marcus Satterfield coached the quarterback. Great and point. And, and, you know, so you know, I think the intention all along was for Satterfield to coach him until Keats backed out and decided to stay with the Rams or I think that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And so Wager I mean, was a recruiting hire. I don't know that he was like, Now here we're going to go get the best tight end coach in the country I don't think that's what was happening at all mm. um, and I also don't think he was joining the choir and so I think sometimes you go to the well and you're like here's what I want to do and here's my idea and I don't really think that you know Bob Wager was going to be joining the choir so, so you sometimes take a you swing and you miss and, and then you move on and, uh, hindsight being 2020, 20 keeping Sean Beckham would have been probably the best thing to do but they wanted to try something else. And they also thought Marcus Satterfield was going to coach the tight end. So, you know, that, that was part of it. And, in was let go. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there.
2: Sam, let's move to some on-field stuff here. Obviously, fall camp kicking off. Um, I guess, what are you expecting in terms of things we'll be able to find out or think we maybe find out in terms of um, – how much access and things like that before actually week one, a month from today?
1: Uh, well, I have like three or four access periods. Um, you know, I, I, one of them today, about a half hour. We won't learn much from those. Um, you know, I and, – and believe me, I would love to go to camp.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
1: would be great. Once or twice a week in scrimmages and and, and whatever. That would be, you know, lovely. And we did that during the Riley era uh, and learned some things about the team. Um, I think I think I have a pretty good idea of of what uh, of what's going to look like uh, from Nebraska's perspective. What we don't know yet is how that's going to look when it's on the field against an opponent. And Nebraska football is at this is at this point where it doesn't really make any difference how they practice, it's how they play. And, and it matters how they practice in the way that it informs how they play. But it doesn't matter to, like, my eyes. Like, okay, they practice like this. This guy looked good in practice. This is what they did. I could tell you more about, like, their teaching points and who's looking good in camp. And I remember going to camp back in 2016. Guy Thomas, who was really had a big day. Oh, boy. And, and then he didn't play her. So, um,. <laughs> You know, there's, there's only so many things I can glean from that and I'm not trying to dis- disparage camp access I would take it yeah. but I also know that like, what really matters at this point is how they translate mm-hmm. their practice into their performance and here's the real thing it may not matter that much this year they may win some games this year but, but their ultimate goal is to win a whole bunch of games and that transition, that transformation may take multiple years um, so there's there's a lot there's a lot of work to do and I don't know that you know how much we see practice will affect that so we'll see we'll see what they do today um, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting for sure for sure uh, to, to see the new staff and a training camp environment but I don't anticipate it being much different than it was you know three months ago it'll look like practice
0: We're talking to Sam McEwen, sports editor at the Omaha World Herald at s w o w h on Twitter. Sam, stay right there because if we are building, if, if that's the, well, the ultimate goal is, you know, building for the first game against Minnesota. You know Minnesota's strengths. What disadvantages are Nebraska at right now via maybe the position groups you don't feel overly confident about that need to be, to a certain degree or a certain point, in order to match up well against Minnesota,
1: I think the wide receiver spot is, you know, a question mark right now. Uh, I think the defensive line spot is a question mark. Uh, you know, I think health at linebacker is a question mark. I don't, I don't know. We'll, will we'll see today if Nick Henrich is, is uh, you know, good to go. I don't know if he will be. Um, That'll be something to watch Uh, if John Bullock can step in there. You know, so I think there's those things. Uh, Tight end is is still a question because you don't exactly know what the production's going to be. Certainly, talent is very high. You got a five-star and a high four. And um, and I think Smith-Wertz is going to be a good player. But, you know, none of them have really played in Nebraska. Fedonia hasn't really played college football at all. Mm -hmm. So... He's gonna need some time to, to, you know, to to work and grow and all those things. Um, yeah. So I, I, mean, those are probably the positions. And then, you know, shoot, let's let's see what the quarterback can do. I, I, think Jeff Sims was a fine quarterback for a Georgia Tech team that didn't have a ton of talent. You know, Amir Gibbs was on that team for a couple of years, so he was good. Um, but you know, I think he's got a he's got something to prove too. Um. You heard what he said at at Big Ten Media Day, that, you know, hey, I'm a leap passer and a great runner. Well, you know, if if he feels that way, his his career to this point has said he's good in those categories, but not great. And so if he's going to be great, this is the time to start being that. You know, like, nobody has to talk about Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson's not here, and nobody's going to pretend that Harburg or Purdy is going to beat him out. That's not going to happen. So, you know, this is his team now. So one of the things we can watch a little bit over the next three or four weeks is how does he command the team? And, and what does he look like? Because this is the guy they're going to roll out there, and I think the expectations are he's going to be a top half of the Big Ten quarterback. And uh, it's time to find out if he's going to be that.
2: Sam, I'm, I'm curious. You touched on something there, and there's a question I asked last week kind of in a different way, but If Jeff Sims is a top half of the league quarterback, maybe even a little better. I know there's, after the top couple guys, in my opinion, there's some room for openings there. Um, If he is a top half of the league type quarterback, what does that mean in terms of wins for Nebraska in your mind?
1: Well, you know, it probably means that, you know, he got some protection from the line. And it, it probably means that, you know, his receivers and running backs helped him out a little bit. So I think that probably puts them in the bull bowl, the bowl territory. And of course, you know, what, what we think of as top half and, you know, what the coaches envision as top half may be a little bit different. Sure. You know, the coaches could say, hey, you know, this guy had a good year. He just didn't get a much, he did not get a lot of help from X, Y, and Z. Sure. Um, but I think if, if what we're talking about is that, you know, I think bowl contention. You know i put you in that i put you in that six win range i mean you know Adrian martinez is the top half of the court top half of the big 10 quarterback in 2021 for sure like he he had a lot of good moments uh in 2021 he did um he didn't have them at the right time um he had some huge mistakes mm-hmm. but he had for the most i mean for overall he had a good year uh, he played great in that Wisconsin game, you know all that. But they went three and nine because you know they found a way to uh, lose a couple games they probably shouldn't have lost. So you know um, those things can happen. Nebraska is six and eighteen in games decided by a touchdown or less in the last uh, four seasons, and they're six and twenty if you if you say one score or less. And that uh, they didn't get there to that point by being a terrible team because they're within one score 26 times in four years, but they did get there by by not being, you know, able to capitalize on key opportunities. If they had just gone, let's say, okay, let's go to the six and eighteen number again. If they had just gone five hundred in those games, which isn't that good, mm-hmm. if they had gone just twelve and twelve, they would have went to a couple of bowl games. Right. That's. I mean, that's just. And Scott Ross is still the coach, folks. Because if they had gone if they had gone to a couple of bowl games, right, if they go seven and five in twenty nineteen and then they go, I don't know, you know, six and six or seven and five last year, believe me, the powers of be beat Scott Bross at job. Mm-hmm. He had he had to really screw it up for, for those people to, to turn their backs. Um, and say, We well, well, this isn't gonna work anymore. And he did, you know. But that's what it took. They could have just been 500 the last four years, and he'd still have his job. And, and you know, he'd still have – and everybody around here, including most of the media, would be like, well, let the NIL have a chance to work, and um, let's, let's give that a chance. and You know, we've got to put $20 million into the collective so we can get the players that he needs. Notice nobody's saying that. And they got a collective, and the collective's doing a great job. But there's not a person, including Matt Rule. Who's saying, boy, let me tell you, you know, let's let's put, boy, we need all the money we can get for that NIL collection. No one is saying that associated with Nebraska football, and the reason they're not saying that is a) they don't believe that that's the key to everything, not necessarily, and 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 b) that there's that the the balance of power is not there. Like, um, if Frost were still the coach, you'd hear nothing but NIL, NIL, NIL. Um, but I think with Rule, it's like, no, it's going to be the culture. And, yeah, we want NIL. We want to be able to – you know, we want players here who want to be here and also are, are able to enjoy NIL. But we're not going to rely on that um, the way that we would have if, if, if Ross was still there.
0: All right, Sam, we know that this team is uh, staying in the dorms for fall camp. They're sharing rooms. They're, they're pairing up with one another. If Sam McEwen were sharing a room with a player – on the team, and you got to pick your player <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Who are you most fascinated by that you could write about for a week because you got to share a room with them?
1: Great question. Neat question. Um, well, it would probably have to be somebody whose personality I like. Mm. Malcolm Hartzog. I, mm. I, I feel oh. like he has a really interesting life story, you know, and I think he's a hell of a football player. You know, I, think, um, I think he's one of the five best players on the team. Uh, so, you know, I'd want to pick his brain about how he got to be who he is. Uh, I think that would be, you know, pretty high on my list uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Ethan Piper's a cool dude. Like that, you know, he mm-hmm. can cool get 100%. To, you know, I mean, he's really a well rounded person. You know, he's not just football, he can talk about almost anything. And so, um, you know, I think Ethan Piper is a really interesting guy. Who you could just talk to anything about, you know, it could be movies or books or politics. I'm I'm guessing Ethan Piper's thought about all of it, and so he would be a good, interesting guy to to talk to just about the world. Um, yeah, I'm, there's there's very interesting guys on the team, but Hartzog, Piper, uh, I, I I'm I think this this fullback that they got from this transfer from Notre Dame is going to be pretty pretty important eventually, so. Uh, he'd be an interesting guy to get to know. Uh Baron the leaving trick.
2: Sam, if I asked you the same question but with coaching staff, let's take Matt Rule out of it, what assistant are you spending a week with and, and getting the most out of?
1: Um another another good question. Uh, <laughs> if <laughs> if Raylo was forced to talk to you, he would be interesting. Yeah, that is that, that, that is true. <laughs> he is the one that he is the one that you don't um, you don't know that well um, because he kind of keeps things um, close to the vest. Uh, you know, of, of all the ones that I think would be the most interesting, that's probably Terrence Knight,
2: mm, who's yeah.
1: talking tomorrow, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Terrence Knight is a pretty interesting guy. And, you know, you always want to know what the, what the coach, the position coach, of the second most important position on the team, what that guy's like. The most important position is quarterback, and that's Marcus Satterfield. And yeah, but the um, offensive line is, is enormously important.
0: So
1: <laughs> knowing how that guy ticks would, would be interesting to me, and, and uh, so it's nice.
0: Sam, quickly here, got about 40 seconds. Your fall camp emergers on the offensive and defensive side of the ball
1: uh good question uh leave a trip uh the pullback um and then on the defensive side of the ball i think just the continued growth of bullets is Mm -hmm. something to watch um i think he'll obviously continue to to surge uh self-suit
0: sam we appreciate you man thanks so much we um we'll talk to you next monday all right take care that's sam McEwen, one of the best Sports editor at the Omaha World Herald, at O W H on Twitter. Who would you spend a week with? Just to, like, spend a week with, because we don't have to write about them, so we're at least at that luxury, we can talk about them later on.
2: The guy I was thinking of was Terrence Knighton. Okay. The same as Sam.
0: Okay. I probably would choose Evan Cooper. Okay. Let's talk about the player, though, next. All
2: right.